0: So this past week, this past week I came across a riddle. I'd like you to listen carefully to this riddle. There is something which everyone wants and yet almost everyone fears. There is something which everyone wants yet almost everyone fears. Any idea? Something which everyone wants yet almost everyone fears. Haven't heard it yet. No. Everyone wants, yet everyone fears. Oh, I heard it. Growing old. Something everybody wants, yet almost everyone fears. Growing old, or at least the idea of wanting to live a long life. Almost everybody wants to live, everybody wants to live a long life, but almost all of us fear Growing older. And I learned something else this week. Although most of us want to grow older someday, it's really interesting. Not too many people actually think they're old. <laughs> I asked a bunch of people this week what they thought, what age they thought was old age. So I asked a number of people, what age do you think is old? And what I found was that most people think that the people that are 15 years older than they are. Are old. So if you're 15, if you're 15 years old, you think a 30 year old is old. If you're 30, you think a 45 year old is old. If you're 45, you think a 60 year old is old. If you're 60, you think a 75 year old is old. If you're 75, you think a 90 year old is old or dead. <laughs> Not many people tend to think that they're old. And for me, I, who's ever older than me, they're old. Because right now, I, want to, I am not old. Now, my wife, on the other hand, <laughs> so somebody in prayer time this morning asked me if I asked my wife if I could do this. Uh, I didn't, so I might get in a lot of trouble when I get home. Uh, but my wife, on the other hand, she's three months older than I am. So that makes her, <laughs> I'm not gonna say it, but li- listen to this, so, uh, a few weeks before she turned, it was about a month before she turned 50 years old, and in the mail I received a letter from AARP. <laughs> now, that's the <laughs> American Association for Retired People sent us a letter, actually, sent Jen a letter, and it was an invitation for her to join AARP. So, being the good husband that I am, I opened up the letter. She didn't see it. I opened up the letter and I filled it out on her behalf. So on her 50th birthday, I presented to Jen her new bright and shiny AARP card. (laughs) She loved it. (laughs) Because I'm just that kind of husband. But really, I mean, aside from all the humor and the fact that we all want to grow old someday, old age and growing old tends to scare most of us. It tends to increase the fears that we have. Yet growing old is and can be scary. You think about it, you grow old, your body, your body doesn't do what it used to do. You're more prone to illness. Your body's more prone to breaking down. You're not as strong as you used to be. (laughs) Somebody said, just like a car. Very true. Think about it, your friend's, Friends and family, people are starting to pass away that you've had relationships with. Your own death is drawing near. It's coming closer and you're starting to think about it more and more. There's also sometimes associated loneliness with getting older. Like the people that were once there are kind of no longer there anymore because they have other things they're doing. Also, there's a lot of financial concerns that are kind of associated with growing old. Incomes usually uh, decrease and assets aren't as great as they once were. Growing old can be scary. I heard somebody say this past week that growing old isn't for sissies. It's true. Growing old is not for sissies. And not only is there, are there fears associated with growing old, but the way our society views aging and growing old, our society doesn't hold the elderly typically in high regard, and we don't esteem those who are older. There's often a lot of prejudice associated with growing old, with those people who are older. You think about young people, often think that old people are limited in ability, set in their ways, or bitter. Our society, American culture, values independence and self-reliance. And as we go old, we're, we're, we're not as independent as we once were. We're actually more and more dependent upon others. And as a result, society doesn't show proper respect, care, or concern for those who are older. But God, God in direct opposition to society demonstrates value towards those who are older. He values people who are aged and who are older and who are growing older. And not only does God demonstrate value for people who are older, God probably more importantly promises and demonstrates his care to those who are older if you would, would you take your Bible and open up to Isaiah chapter 46. Isaiah chapter 46 is found on page 593 in the Bible that the church provides. I'd encourage you to follow along. The Bible's in the rack in front of you. You can just grab it and turn to page 593. Here, Isaiah is is preaching He's preaching before Israel was conquered by Babylon in 586 BC. Isaiah is looking forward to the time when Israel is conquered. It's after Israel is conquered. He's looking forward to the time when Babylon itself is going to be conquered by King Cyrus and the Persian empire. Isaiah projects himself into the future and he writes as if these things had already happened. Isaiah 46, beginning in verse one. Bell bows, down to ne- to Bell-, "'Bell bows down. Nebo stoops low. Their idols are borne by beasts of burden. The images that are carried about are burdensome, a burden for the weary. They stoop and bow down together, unable to rescue the burden. They themselves go off into captivity.'" In these first two verses, the two greatest Babylonian gods are mocked with thick irony and sarcasm. Bel and Nebo were the most prominent gods of the many gods of the Babylonians. These two were the strongest and most powerful gods that they had. Bel was the most prominent and his son Nemo, the second most powerful. Look what Isaiah says about them. Even the most powerful Babylonian gods will bow down and stoop low when Babylon is conquered. The images or the statues of these gods were often paraded before the people during their times of celebration. But now these same gods will be loaded onto beasts and carried away in defeat. Now think about this. These are gods. These are their gods. And it's crazy that they have to be carried in the first place. Whether in celebration or in defeat, they had to be carried. This demonstrates their weakness. They have no power. They actually need to be carried. And it's a burden to carry them. Bel and Nebo Could not relieve any of the burdens of this life. They couldn't solve any problems. In fact, they end up just creating more problems because they end up weighing down the people who have to carry them. Does this sound familiar? Well, it should. Because time and time again, as we've gone through this book of Isaiah, Isaiah keeps coming back to the weakness, the futility of following false gods, of bowing down before idols. He did it because the people then had a problem with this. And we as well have a problem with pursuing false gods and bowing down to idols. Now today, we don't actually bow down to statues of Bel or Nebo, but we do have our own Bel and Nebo. Most people today worship at the altar of self. We worship ourselves. Our primary God, our Bell, is our self. But we also have a secondary God. We have our own Nebo. Actually, we have many Nebos. We have many secondary gods. We look to various Nebos. Gods such as not only self, that's our bell, right? But our Nebos, gods such as money, power, sex, leisure, work, pleasure, substances. These tend to be our secondary gods. These tend to be our Nebos that we often bow down to worship. We look to these gods to meet our needs, to build ourselves up. We seek to have our needs for significance, relationship, and security met through our bell and nebos. We put all of our thought, our work, our focus, our expectation, and our worship on these gods, our self money, power, sex, pleasure, leisure, substances. But these gods don't meet our needs. They cannot satisfy like we expect them to. Instead, when we load all of our hopes and our expectations onto these gods, they actually create needs that they themselves cannot meet. They don't relieve any burdens. And when we bow down to worship them, our burdens only grow, and they do not lift a finger to help. Have you ever experienced that? Have you ever loaded your expectations onto one of these things, hoping that it would meet your needs and satisfy you, only to be disappointed? Only to be crushed. You see, when you bow down to these gods, you end up being worse off than when you actually started. These gods self, money, power, sex, leisure, pleasure, work, substances. They demand ever increasing portions of your resources because of the needs they create, and they continue to demand more and more of you. And they create more and more of a burden for you. And they offer only limited and fleeting satisfaction that always, always begs for and demands. More. Do you understand? They will weigh you down and they will crush you. But then in the text, we see a great contrast. Beginning in verse 3, God speaks to the exiles in Babylon and he speaks to you and me as well, especially to those who are of older age. Look at verses three and four. Listen to me, you descendants of Jacob, all the remnant of the people of Israel, you who I have upheld since your birth and have carried since you were born. Even to your old age and gray hairs, I am he. I am he who will sustain you. I have made you and I will carry you. I will sustain you and I will rescue you. God contrasts himself here with the Babylonian gods. The Babylonian gods had to be carried by their worshipers. The Lord God tells us that he is the one who carries his worshipers. Words that mean bear or carry are used five times in verses three and four. God says here, like a mother, he has carried Israel from birth. He also says that he will continue to sustain the people of Israel to their old age, to their gray hairs. He says that he has done it and that he will do it. And finally, he says that he will rescue the people using the same word that Isaiah used in verse two when he said that the Babylonian gods were powerless to rescue from the burden that they create. God will carry Israel through the difficult times in captivity and will ultimately deliver her. This is the God who can help. All of the other gods of this world are helpless. They can't help you. In fact, as I've said, they just create a larger burden, a huge burden that ultimately weighs you down. We have to carry these other gods. And the Lord God promises that if you follow him, if you trust him, he is going to carry you. And we need to be carried. Let's admit it. We need to be carried. You need to be carried. I need to be carried. I know I need to be carried. And in our weakness, the Lord loads us on his back and carries us forward. And as we age, as we add gray hairs, we really start to understand our weaknesses and our limitations. I know that I am starting to see mine. And there are a lot of you here this morning that are older, that are 15 years or older than me. I know you are starting to see your weaknesses, your limitations. I know I'm seeing mine. I am, I'm not as strong. I'm not as smart. I'm not as fast. I'm not as good looking as, okay, I'm still as good looking. (laughs) But I am not as strong. I'm not as smart. I'm not as fast as I used to be. I'm understanding more and more my weaknesses and my limitations. And more and more, I'm learning that the gods of this world do not satisfy. They do not meet the needs that I have. They're unable to carry me. And as I pursue them, I just end up carrying them and they end up weighing me down. I'm limited. Money, sex, Power, leisure, pleasure, work, substances do not satisfy. They just create larger burdens. And when we choose to trust in these powerless, weak gods, all that happens is our fear and our doubt increases because we come to understand that they are truly powerless. That's why God says, Verse four, even to your old age and gray hairs, I am he. I am he who will sustain you. I have made you and I will carry you. I will sustain you and I will rescue you. This should give us great confidence now. It should give you confidence today and it should give you confidence into the future. Remember, he has carried you this far. He has sustained you to this point. He's not going to drop you now. Now you may think to yourself, I'm just too old. I'm just too weak. I cannot do the things that I used to do. But here God's promises to you, no matter how great you think your burdens are, no matter how weak you think you are, no matter how limited you think you are, God's promise to you today is that he is going to carry you. He is going to sustain you. It is he who is going to rescue you. And he promises that to those who are of older age. He will carry you through the difficult times. He will deliver you time and time again in this life until he finally delivers you from the difficulties of this world into the joy of the next world. And I promise you, none of these other gods can do that. You can trust the Lord to sustain you and to rescue you. The Bible has example after example of God valuing those who are elderly, but not only valuing those who are elderly, sustaining and rescuing those who are elderly and using those who are elderly. Think about Abraham. Abraham enters into this agreement or enters into faith in a promise in God when he's 75 years old. And God doesn't really ramp it up until Abraham's over 100 years old. Moses, Moses' birth is recorded in scripture, but then we don't hear a whole lot of him until he's about 80 years old. And then he doesn't believe he has any abilities or capabilities to do what God has asked him to do But God says, no, I'm going to go with you. I'm going to carry you. So after Moses is 80 years old, he does all the things that God asks of him because God is carrying him. Think about Joshua and Caleb. Like we look to Joshua and Caleb in their 40s and we see this kind of great stuff they do. But what we really remember Joshua and Caleb for is the things that they did in their 80s. Daniel. Daniel stands up as a young man, but most of Daniel's greatest accomplishments occur after the normal age of retirement. Simeon and Anna in the New Testament are said to be faithful and pursue the Lord and rely upon the Lord well into their 80s. Example after example of God valuing, taking care of, and using those who are older in age. It's also interesting that late in life, King David, the second king of Israel, the greatest king of Israel, King David writes Psalm 71. Turn to Psalm 71, it's backwards in your Bible. It's found in the church Bible on 467. Late in life, King David writes Psalm 71. This is the Psalm of an old man He's an old man and he has many trials and problems, but he's also a joyful old man who puts his focus on the Lord God and he relies upon the Lord God for deliverance from his trials. He testifies to the fact that the Lord has carried him and rescued him even as his body was growing weaker. Psalm 71 provides a great playbook For those who are older and feeling the effects of aging with all of its doubts and fears. And not only is David old, not only is he experiencing trials, it's important to note the trial that he's likely experiencing here. Most scholars believe that David writes Psalm 71 when his son, his very son, Absalom, is turning against him and trying to take over the kingdom. Look at how it starts out, verses 1 and 2. In you, Lord, I have taken refuge. Let me never be put to shame. In your righteousness, rescue me and deliver me. Turn your ear to me and save me. The psalmist identifies the Lord as his God and recognizes that it is the Lord who carries him and the Lord who rescues him. Then let's go through this psalm. We'll go through kind of quickly. Look at verse 16 he speaks of God's mighty deeds. In verse 18, of God's strength in power. In verse 19, of the great things that God has done. In verse 20, he realizes that it was God who brought him into trouble and God who delivered him and restored him. Then in verse 21, God was his source of comfort in trial. In verse 23, it was God who redeemed his soul. This man, this old man knew that God had carried him and was carrying him. He knew that God had sustained him and rescued him. He knew that in the midst of this great trial, his own son's rebellion, in the midst of this great trial, that God would sustain and rescue him. God carried David in his old age. And this morning, if you are here, if you are listening to me and you are old, you need to know that God is carrying you. David knew that God had carried him through all of the trials and the troubles of his life. He knew that he had carried him. He writes it down in Psalm 71. He writes down all of the things that God had done for him, the in the past, he recognizes what God had done for him in the past and he testifies. And because of what God had done for him in the past, he knows that God is going to be with him in the present and into the future. David back, looks back and says, God, you were with me then, you carried me then. So I know you will be with me in the future and you will carry me, you will sustain me and you will rescue me into the future. Think about your past. How has God carried you? How has he rescued you? How has he sustained you? Because I know he has. I know each one of us can look back at our past and see the fingerprints of God, see where God actually intervened in our life and demonstrated his care, his compassion, and his love by sustaining us, by rescuing us. Has God rescued you from your sin? Has God sustained you in the past? Amen. Has God rescued you from other, some other trial or trouble? Yes, the answer is yes. And if the answer is yes to his presence in the past, it is proof positive that he will be present in your future. And when we look back and see what he's done in the past, it gives us faith to move forward in the future, realizing that he will be there to sustain us and to rescue us. God carried David and God has carried you and God will continue to carry you. To this point, I've been primarily speaking to those of you who are older, To those of you who are older, I've been sharing some of this encouragement from God's word. Now I'd like to turn to those of you who are younger and I'd like to talk to those of you who are younger. So if you would, you can stop texting, you can stop looking at your Instagram, you can put your phones down. I know I see it, I watch it. It's all good. I know you may have checked out of this sermon so far because you're thinking to yourself, I'm not old. You may be 65 and you checked out of this sermon because you think you're not old. You are, but that's okay. But no, seriously, okay. So for those of you who are younger, I'd like to talk to you now. And I'd like to share something with you. I'd like you to listen. Please pay attention, because here's the truth. If you are younger, guess what? Lord willing, someday you are going to be older. It happens, it's just the way it works. You start out young and you grow old. All of us go through it, and I tell you something else. You know what? It happens a lot faster than you think. Yes, all God's old people said what? Amen. Because you know time flies. And you may think, you know what? I'm really young right now. I promise you, you're going to wake up and you're going to be like, oh boy, I'm 58. (laughs) So if you're young, you are going to grow old. And if you're young and you're going to grow old, my encouragement to you this morning is prepare for it. Prepare to grow old. And God has a principle that I'd like to share with you this morning. It's a principle that the Apostle Paul identifies in Galatians. In the book of Galatians, the Apostle Paul identifies a principle that will help you as you prepare to get old. You can either turn to Galatians 6 or you can just read it on the board. That's probably easier. Galatians 6. This is the principle. Listen to this. Verses seven and eight, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man or woman reaps what he or she sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the spirit from the spirit will reap eternal life. The principle is a person reaps what he or she sows. Now, this is an agricultural example that's very helpful. It's the way things work. Think about it this way. If you sow or plant corn, sow means plant. If you sow or plant corn, what do you think you're going to reap or harvest? Corn. If you plant corn, you harvest corn. If you sow corn, you harvest corn. So, if you take good care of your body you typically enjoy good health. If you disregard healthy habits, your body typically suffers. The principle is what you sow, you will reap. And this principle is especially true in the spiritual realm. Much of the bitterness, discontent and anger, some of the depression and fear and anxiety is a result of some old people sowing the wrong things. If an old person is bitter, discontent, full of anger, sometimes it is, sometimes it is the, de- the, the depression, sometimes the anxiety, sometimes the fear. If those things are present in an older person, it is highly likely that they pursued the wrong gods. They pursued self, they pursued money, they pursued sex, they pursued pleasure, they pursued leisure, they pursued substances. And now those things that they sowed have come back to reap bad consequences. And the bad consequences are a long list of regrets that express themselves in discontent and anger and bitterness. And as I said, sometimes Depression, anxiety, and fear. Remember, these gods cannot carry you. They just create more burden because you have to carry them. Now you may be sitting and you may be thinking to yourself, okay, I get the principle. I'm going to reap what I sow. But Some of you may be thinking, here's the thing. I get it, but here's what I want to do. I kind of want to do my own thing for a while. I'm going to just kind of do it the way I want to do it for a while, and we'll kind of see how that ends up turning out. You know what? I kind of like myself as my own God. I want to pursue money, power, sex, leisure, pleasure. I like the substances. I'm gonna just do my own thing for a while. Some people in an earlier generation would say, they're just going to sow their wild oats. How many of you heard that phrase? We're just gonna sow our wild oats. It's another way of saying, you're just gonna do your own thing for a little while. The thing is, is what I can't figure out is what are you hoping for? Are you hoping for a crop failure? Because what has happened, the principle is, you will reap what you sow. And if you go after, if you pursue those things, you are going to reap. You're going to reap, ultimately, discontentment, bitterness, anger, likely depression, anxiety, and fear. Here's the ironic thing. A lot of young people look at older people and say, I don't ever want to turn out like that. I don't want to be bitter. I don't want to be angry. I don't want to be set in my ways. I don't want to be like that. But you know what? You know what young people don't realize or don't see? It's that they are on the exact same path towards bitterness, towards anger, towards discontent, towards depression, towards anxiety, and towards fear because what you sow, you will reap. So if you don't want to be like that, do not pursue those gods because you will end up carrying them. They cannot carry you. So in the strongest words possible this morning, I want to encourage you to pursue Jesus. Sow Jesus. Because you know what you get when you sow Jesus? Let me tell you what you get. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You know what you get when you sow Jesus? You get truth and you get life. And you know what? Everyone I know, everyone I know is looking for truth and life. And most of the people I know that are pursuing other gods are still looking for truth and life. They're just on the wrong path. The encouragement this morning is no 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 so Jesus because the only way to truth and to life is Jesus Don't go down the other path. You will end up carrying those gods and they will burden you and eventually they will crush you. Look what Jesus says in Matthew 11. This is his promise. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Do you want rest for your souls? For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The gods of this world, their burden is not light. It is heavy. And as I said, and I will say it again, it will crush you. And Jesus says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So now finally, as we wrap this up, I have some instructions for you. I have four instructions that I'd like to share with you. And these instructions are for those of you who are younger and would like to grow in gracefulness, for those of you who are younger and want to grow in godliness. And it's also for those of you who are older. Because here's the thing, for those of you that are older and God is carrying the For those of you who God is rescuing you, rescuing, he is not carrying you and rescuing you so that you can play golf, fish, and pickleball. He's not carrying you for those things. He is carrying you so you can continue to serve him, so you can continue to live out the purpose that he has for you in this life. Because if you don't, he might as well just take you home four instructions. They're found in 1 Timothy, and ironically, these are Paul's instructions to a young man Timothy. So they're clearly applicable to young people. I'm stretching it, and I'm making them applicable to you old people. So here's the thing. Let's read this. But set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in impurity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to preaching and teaching, Do not neglect your gift, which was given you through prophecy when the body of elders laid their hands on you. Be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. Watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. So in this text, there are four instructions that we're gonna wrap up with. The first instruction is be or set an example. Be an example. Look at what Paul says here. Be an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. And now you may be sitting there and thinking, you know what? I didn't sign up to be anybody's example. I'm not an example to anybody. Wrong. Every single one of you is an example. Whether you are young or whether you are old, you are an example. Now you may be a good example or you may be a bad example, but you are an example because someone is watching you. Someone in your family may be watching you. Maybe some of your friends, maybe an acquaintance, maybe somebody at work, but everyone is an example. Amen. Every one of you is an example to someone. So the encouragement is be a good example. Be a good example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Be an example. Second, devote yourself to the word of God. Devote yourself to the Bible. Devote yourself to scripture. Look at what it says to the preaching and to the teaching. Devote yourself. In order to preach, in order to teach, in order to speak of God's word, you actually have to know God's word. You have to be in God's word. And when you're in God's word, God will speak to you through his word and he will transform you and form you into the image, into the person that he wants you to be. First, be an example, be a good example. Second, devote yourself to the word. Third, do not neglect your gift, which was given you through prophecy when the body of elders laid their hands on you. Do not neglect your gift. That is the third instruction. Cultivate that gift, cultivate that talent. Now, some of you may be saying, well, I don't have any gifts. That is not true. Every one of you here today has a gift, and I would suggest that most of you have more than one gift. Use the gift that God has given you. And if you're old and you're thinking to yourself, well, I'm weak, I really can't figure that out, I'm not able to do that, guess what? You don't get less of the Holy Spirit as you get older. The Holy Spirit is still within you. He is still working in you. He is still calling you and causing you to serve him. Cultivate the gift, the gifts that God has given to you. And then fourth and finally, be diligent. Be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. Watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Be diligent. I think one of the greatest sins of the people of God is laziness. And God says here, don't be lazy. Be diligent. Get to work on the purpose that He has for you. He has He says in our text this morning, and in, in Isaiah forty six, he says He made you. He made you and he's gonna sustain you and he's gonna rescue you. But he has also made you for a purpose. So be diligent in that purpose. He is carrying you so that you can continue to serve him now and into the future. Whether you are young or whether you are old, God is asking you, he's commanding you, he's instructing you, be diligent. Be Be a good example. Study the word of God. Cultivate the gift or gifts that God has given you and be diligent. I hope you understand. I hope you see that as we go through this book of Isaiah, that God's kingdom is radically different than the kingdom of this world. And that's a point for everybody to say amen. You see, because in God's kingdom, God values the elderly, He not only values and has concern and respect for the elderly, he promises to care for the elderly. He promises to carry you. He promises to sustain you. He promises to rescue you. Amen. And for all of the young people, he says, no, no, I'm right there with you as well. Make good choices now because what you say and what you do and how you live now matters for your future. This is the one true God. All the gods of this world will just weigh you down and crush you. This is the God who carries you, who sustains you, who rescues you. Who are you gonna choose? Thank you so much for joining us for this podcast from Calvary Church. We hope this message has brought the light and hope of God's presence into your life, refreshing your soul for the journey the Lord has you on. If you have a spiritual need or would like to connect further with the work God is doing through Calvary Church, seek us out online at calvarygr.org. On our website, you can also find an archive of previous messages from this series. Thanks for listening.